G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, good to check up on what's happening with this week's political agenda. Martin Niles back with us, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good to be back. Hey, Martin, let's start with one story that has begun to develop and I've spoken about it a number of times on this program, but uh, a spotlight today on this whole drag queen story time. And uh, it's really a nationwide issue. While it started to develop in the state of Queensland, uh, it's all states and territories that are likely to be experiencing this. What are your thoughts on drag queen story time? I think this is one we haven't talked about before, Neil, but it is um, it really is a bigger thing than I think a lot of people realise. Um, and some people might hear that phrase, drag queen story time, and think, what in the world is that? Uh, it is really a phenomenon that is around the Western world, but it's uh, very much here in Australia as well. These are events that are hosted in bookstores and libraries and such places around the country. And the idea is that drag queens dressed up in full drag queen garb come into the establishment and they read storybooks to little children. Um, so these are adult entertainers for starters. So there's a, there's a problem immediately in that. Um, but the story is a little deeper. It actually started in San Francisco, this whole movement. And it was with the expressed goal. And you can read what the founders actually say. They said they wanted to normalize queer concepts for children. Um, and they wanted to give them LGBTIQ role models. So the idea is to normalise the gay lifestyle, the cross-dressing, the gender-bending aspects of all of this. And you know, drag queens are not the most pleasant things, I think, for a child to, to, to be exposed to in all of those ways. And um, uh, the idea is to reach children as young as possible. And this is a thing that's really going on around the country. Um, we were worried about safe schools, but uh, that was at school age. This is before school age. These are little children. Um, and there is a slightly dodgy motive going on here. So one of the places we've decided to try and raise awareness around this is in Brisbane. Uh, the Brisbane City Council Library hosts Drag Queen Storytime. Uh, and there is a petition which is accessible via the ACL website, uh, acl.org.au, which is petitioning against that practice in the Brisbane City Council Library to try and get parents of children uh, really from Brisbane or indeed anywhere at all, it doesn't matter where you are in Australia, you can sign it, uh, to go along and say, look, this is not something that we think is good for kids. And, uh, you know, it really isn't. Um, and that petition closes on the 31st of March. So I'd encourage your, your, your listeners to get involved, but also to be aware that this is going on and maybe go and check out whether or not your local library is doing the same thing. Uh, and it might be worth just putting a word in to your local library to say that, um, you know, this is, this is not a great idea. Well, a part of what we have tackled a number of occasions, Martin, is where the story of Drag Queen Storytime connects with your predecessor, in fact, at the ACL, Lyle Shelton, who was blogging about the inappropriateness of drag queens telling stories in the public library. That's become an issue and it's not going away because there are some court battles ahead. 
Yeah, that's right. So they're also very sensitive to being exposed for obvious reasons, because they know that parents and whatnot are not particularly keen on this sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, Lyle is somebody who did try and expose what was going on, and he, he started blogging about the inappropriateness of it. And he actually wrote a piece on his blog uh, about two drag queens that were reading stories at Brisbane City Council, and their past in creating pornographic movies and winning adult entertainment awards and uh, content on their Facebook and so on, which is just so adult in nature that you know I couldn't even begin to describe it. Uh, and so the response was not to debate with him. They decided to sue him. Uh, and they're currently uh, embroiled in a case before the Queensland uh, Civil and Administrative Tribunal. And they're demanding $20,000 in compensation. In compensation, They want him to take his posts down and want him to be stopped from saying anything about them in the future. So, you know, <laughs> that's the sort of thing we're up against here. Uh, it's a fairly nasty sort of a movement. And the people behind it don't like it when they're exposed. But, um, yeah, just bear Lyle's case in mind. It's worth praying for him. I believe he's paused his fundraising at the moment. Um, uh, but uh, he does have a website, lyleshelton.com. And, um, you know, if people want to get the latest updates on that, they can go and check that out. And, of course, we might think of this as more localised because it's emerged here in Australia. But as you say, it's an international movement on this drag queen story time. And uh, you said, you know, about normalisation of... Uh, the idea of drag queens, of trans uh, people. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, some of the stories that have been emerging out of the uh, even the US press this past week? Well, yeah, I mean, as you say, Neil, it started in San Francisco and it really has gone around the world, particularly starting in America, but Canada and Australia are other really key places where it's quite big. And look, a drag queen is really a symbol of a lot of things. Uh, and, you know, yeah, they can look like clowns and all this kind of stuff, you know, in, in the sense of kids can look at them innocently because of all the makeup and all that kind of stuff and go, oh, well, isn't this fun? But the, the idea is to normalise quite a number of aspects of the LGBTIQ world, which includes the cross-dressing, includes the gender sort of confusion or bending aspects, which includes the homosexuality, the adult entertainment. It's very strategically chosen, a drag queen, I think, because people can be deceived into thinking it's lighthearted when it's not really. And look, it is rife for abuse. I mean, the difficulty you've got is that the, these people who interact with children need blue cards and all the rest of it, and they need safe checks of working with children. And it's not a great pool of talent to draw on when you go into adult entertainers. Uh, and I guess unsurprisingly, I think you might be referring to a story out of America where um, uh, somebody who was involved in coordinating and running Drag Queen Story Hours has just been arrested for possession of child pornography. Um, and look, it's you just think about the world from which <laughs> some of these talents are being drawn, many of them full-blown adult entertainers. And so it's it's not surprising to find that kind of stuff. It's a very foolish thing to be doing, in my view, and I think in the view of most sensible people. You did mention that there is a petition. It's an online petition that listeners to our conversation today can take some action and they can sign. Uh, that one's been led by Wendy Francis, who leads the Queensland, uh, the uh, ACL in Queensland. Uh, how do people actually access that petition and what's uh, the value of actually putting your signature to that, Martin? Yeah, well, this is actually going straight to Brisbane City Council. So um, it is valuable because they're concerned they will be interested in community sentiment on the subject. And you can access the petition by going to acl.org.au. That's just our website or Google us. 
uh, and there'll be a link through to it from our homepage, uh, Drag Queen Storytime in Brisbane City Council Libraries. And it's really worth doing because uh, we are going to take that petition to the Lord Mayor and we're just going to try and show that there is significant community sentiment against this. And we hope, uh, we have, we, we think we have a reasonably friendly uh, ear uh, in the City Council there and that with sufficient community pressure, we can make a difference. And I think there's about 2,000 signatures on that at the moment. We'd like to see that go up a lot more in the remaining days. Uh, Martin, let's cast a glance to Victoria, and uh, we'll often be talking on this program about freedom of religion and uh, the idea most recently of the conversion therapy laws that have been introduced and passed in Victoria. But there are other uh, issues in legislation in Victoria that... Uh, are uh, targeting religious freedom. And one of those is an anti-vilification bill. Uh, that's back in the spotlight once again and, uh, and some amendments being made to that. What are your thoughts about what's happening in Victoria? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to the Victorian listeners, but uh, Victoria just keeps on giving. <laughs> it's just more and more always coming up there. But, uh, yeah, look, there there is yet another thing, which is that uh, a committee has recently recommended that Victoria change its anti-vilification laws. Um, Now, these are laws which say you are not allowed to vilify somebody on the basis of various attributes like their sexual orientation, their gender, um, their race and things like that. Now, um, nobody wants to vilify anybody, but of course the devil is always in the detail and there's a few details here that are relevant. The first one is that uh, they're going to add a number of attributes to the list so you can't vilify on the basis now not only of sexual orientation but also of gender identity and gender expression which is the most significant one but also they're going to lower the bar so they're going to do a bit of a switcheroo and redefine what vilification actually is So that really it gets to the point where if you say something that is disagreeable or somebody doesn't like or somebody's particularly opposed to, that suddenly can be hate speech. It gets in the realm of, you know, if you offend somebody, they're going to tell you that you're committing hate speech and take you off to court. And just to demonstrate that, the inclusion of gender expression in the list of attributes probably means that if you were to mispronoun someone, so let's say that a biological man demands that you call him she, Uh, and you, whether by accident or by conscience, don't do that, then that is likely to be considered vilification under these changes, and therefore you could face legal action. So that's just one of many examples. It puts people with traditional Christian beliefs in a very difficult position, and it really makes them um, uh, on the rope, puts them on the ropes when it comes to the things they might say, pastors, preachers, you know, there's a problem there, or just the way we talk about these things in the community. What is considered hate speech now is just what somebody fundamentally believes. Uh, And so the committee has recommended those changes, and that's a big concern. Now, there's no action point just yet. This is on sort of a wait-and-watch basis, but we expect movement on this in the coming month or so. So, uh, yeah, Victorians, another opportunity to get involved, uh, possibly one in which you can have uh, more likely have uh, an impact on pushing back on this one. Uh, And so when it does come, I just say, look... uh, This is something that's going to make a big difference to Christians, uh, and so it should be prevented. As you say, lowering the bar to conduct that's likely to incite hatred, whereas I think the original wording says conduct that incites, a change to Mm. conduct that is likely to incite. Isn't that such a generality that really you could fit anything in under that? 
Well, absolutely. And it's very unusual in law. I mean, the law is usually much more specific than that. If you're going to be uh, charged with something, there's a lot of hoops you've usually got to jump through. So they've got to say, what did you do? Okay, well, is it correct to say that the thing you did actually caused harm? And can we identify the kind of harm that you caused? That's the usual legal process. You've got to be actually guilty of harming someone or something. Whereas with these laws, none of that matters. It's just like, well, you said something and we think that that could incite some hatred somewhere. So you called him a she uh, instead of or you called her a she instead of a he. And we think that that could incite some hatred somewhere. There's no need to prove that any harm was done. There's no need to prove that there was any connection between what you did and the harm. And so legally, it's the most unusual thing. It's a shockingly low bar. Uh, and it's completely inconsistent with our entire legal system. So, yeah, as you say, Neil, you can smuggle pretty much anything into this and people can be guilty of, 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 of wrongdoing where they actually haven't caused any harm at all. Uh, Martin, just on something, I guess, a little more personal here because, you know, we're Christians. Uh, we're seeing what's happening in Victoria. We've made an assessment of the conversion bill that passed in Victoria suggesting that since these laws are already uh, outlawing these practices in all sorts of other uh, ways that uh, that the law exists, uh, that somehow other Christians are in fact the target here. Uh, if we come back to the anti-vilification bill, is there something in here that should make us concerned that Christians are in fact being the main target in changing these laws? Well, I think anybody with a Christian view of sexuality and gender issues is the target of these changes. So, yes, I think it's probably fair to say that Christians are in the crosshairs to some degree, um, because that is the sort of idea that the government down there is really trying to attack. It is the idea that, you know, Christians believe that biological men are called to be men and that biological women are called to be women, and that you can't actually become the opposite sex. It's, uh, you know, every chromosome in your body has, uh, every cell in your body has chromosomes which declare your biological sex. You know, you can't change that. You know, beliefs like that, which are common sense to many, certainly they are definitely Christian beliefs to Christians. Um, all those sorts of things definitely are under attack. Interesting thing is, though, Neil, that um, there's a, particularly on the gender stuff, Joe Average public, you know, the ordinary folk living in Victoria and other parts of Australia, they can't get their head around this. They think that this is really, really bad. The problem is they don't, they just don't fully understand what the government is doing. And so we actually are running a flyer drop program over the next few weeks where many, many, many households in Victoria will be receiving a little information leaflet explaining what the Andrews government is doing and how the, what the Andrews government is doing is going to put conservative parents and Christian parents and parents who believe in biological sex, potentially put them in jail if they raise their kids that way. And so we're trying to get the word out to inform people that this is what is going on. And so the next 12 months or so to really be able to do that in a big way so that people start to understand what's happening. But yes, I would say that uh, Christians are among the targets for sure. Just before the Western Australian election, we were warning on this program a number of commentators expressing their grave concerns about the McGowan government's intentions to introduce conversion therapy laws a little like what has already been introduced in Victoria. And uh, and I guess uh, there's some confirmation this past few days that the McGowan government is in fact moving that direction. What are your uh, understandings here, Martin? Yeah, that's correct, Neil. So there was some indication made before the election that they were going to adopt Victorian-style 
conversion therapy or, uh, as Victoria called it, the change and suppression bill. Um, we were concerned about that. Uh, we knew Labor was going to win the election in a big way, though, so we weren't quite sure what to do about it except to get people ready uh, to understand what was coming and to get ready to act against it. Following the election, Mark McGowan has confirmed that definitely they will introduce such laws. We're not yet sure what the laws exactly will look like. Um, I find it strange that there is no evidence of conversion therapy happening in the community. There hasn't been for a very long time. And yet all these governments are so keen to ban it, which makes me concerned straight away that what they're going to ban is not conversion therapy, but they're going to ban something more like they did in Victoria. And the something more was really any expression of Christian belief whatsoever, whether in the family or in the medical profession or at church or to each other, you know, any expression of Christian belief on sexual orientation or gender identity is now, you know, at threat of being a crime, which is one of the more shocking pieces of legislation to pass in the Western world in the last hundred years, in my view. So the concern is, will, will, will Western Australia go as far as Victoria? We don't yet know. We're sort of waiting for a draft, but we've got lobbyists hard at work to try and raise awareness about this within the parliament. And this is going to be something that I would say that all Western Australian listeners need to be ready for. And when the day comes to act, to raise your voice against it, this could be the most important thing that you've spoken against uh, in many, many years. Okay, just very quickly, because we've run out of time, Martin, you have your podcast segment that you produce each week. It's called The Truth of It, and uh, you tackle an awful lot of issues. Uh, One of your recent podcasts dealt with the first weeks of the Biden-Harris administration in the US, and given uh, that oftentimes things flow to Australia the way they've happened in the US, uh, very quickly, uh, because you haven't got a lot of time, uh, just a few thoughts on what you expressed in your comment about the Biden-Harris administration? Well, I did a big report card on, on, on the administration's first six weeks. And one of the interesting things is it's very quiet what the media are saying about the Biden-Harris administration. We don't hear much, but in the background, an awful lot is going on. And just as an overview, I mean, I covered the fact that they have uh, ramped up abortion quite a bit by restoring funding to uh, foreign Uh, foreign aid for abortion, but also abortion through their family planning systems in America. Uh, They've paused construction on the border wall so that the illegal immigration problem is not resolved. They've also radically transformed their policy on trans issues, uh, where now um, they're allowing uh, biological men into women's sporting teams, and that's causing all sorts of trouble at the moment, as you can imagine, Uh, and biological men into women's locker rooms and bathrooms and all of that kind of thing. Uh, also, they've got uh, they've gone back in the World Health Organization to restore funding to what is effectively a communist organization. Now it's headed up by Tedros Ghebreyesus, who is a Marxist uh, political leader from Ethiopia and sort of in in the pocket of China, uh, and various other things. So I go through all of that. So if people are interested in just seeing how much has changed for the worse since the Trump administration ended. I think that segment will be very, very fascinating uh, that I've put together for them. But I guess the point is, though a lot of us were encouraged to think that, um, you know, Biden would be a great choice because Trump, you know, sometimes tweeted mean things. But the truth is that Trump stood against so much evil. uh, And we see that now with this onslaught of stuff that's happening, particularly in LGBTQ, particularly in abortion, particularly with the Equality Act on its way, which will almost eliminate religious freedom in America. So people who want to stay alert, I'd say watch that. 
um, and pray for America is uh, the big take-home point from that in a big way. Well, times are changing quicker than most people imagine, and so it's called The Truth of It. You'll be able to access Martin Isles' podcast when you find him on YouTube, or you can go to the Australian Christian Lobby website. There'll be a link there, acl.org.au. Martin Isles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, thanks so much for your update once again today on 2020. Thank you again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.